Luke chapter number 1, verse number 26. The Bible says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth. In verse 27, To a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at this, his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. I want you to look with me again in verse number 34. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be? Mary's asking this question. How's this going to happen? The angel of the Lord, Gabriel, comes before her and, and tells her exactly what's going to happen, what God's doing in her life, and, and how God's going to use her to impact the entire world. And Mary said probably what every one of us would say if that was us, how's this going to happen? How's this possible? We're going to look this, this morning, hard to worship. You know, Christmas is the biggest commercial holiday. Billions, billions of dollars are spent every single year. I walked into Home Depot just recently, and you know what's amazing? Every, every year they have trees, and it's like no one, no one has any Christmas items at all. You know, and they sell out every year. I don't know, every year they just sell more trees and more wreaths and, and more everything, and people buy them. Gifts and, 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 and uh, uh, food and parties and all of these things take place. Christmas is an amazing, an amazing month. All the, all the uh, time and all of the money and all of the effort put into to Black Friday sales and Cyber Monday sales. I've never, I've never been on Black Friday shopping. I think that's just crazy to even do that. But what I must admit, Saturday I like to watch the videos from Black Friday shopping. <laughs> People are insane. All of this effort, all of this money to go into a season that, that if that's all there is when it's over, there's nothing left. I think this, this Christmas season, we need to make sure that we have a heart to worship. Not worship things. Not worship gifts and not, not even worship the holiday. But worship Jesus Christ, the reason for Christmas. You know, the weeks leading up to Christmas, they're supposed to be. They're supposed to be filled with peace and with, with happiness, but so often, far too often, they're filled in many of our lives with worry and with stress. 
Christmas is supposed to be a season of, of giving. Have you ever worried or stressed that you didn't get the right gift for somebody? Do you ever worry trying to make sure you get the, the right gift when it ought to be a, a season where there's peace and there's happiness and, and there's joy? You know, the, amid the excitement and the bustle of season, we, um, we can lose sight of what the real purpose is. Three weeks before Christmas, we have the opportunity this year not to lose sight of the real meaning of Christmas. If you've started out on that path, if you've started in, in July making sure that you've got everything set so that you don't stress out, you can, you've got three weeks left where we can say, you know what we're going to do? We're going to worship Jesus this year. We're going to make some changes in our life. I'm not going to get frazzled. I'm not going to lose sight of what this is all about. We need to have a heart to worship. If we want to avoid the stress that's associated with, with this, the material concerns of Christmas and its season, we must turn our focus upward and not on material things in this world. Isaiah 9 verse 6 said this, for unto, a child, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Last week we looked at the Prince of Peace. The truth is this, this, this season, Jesus came to be that Prince of Peace for all who believe in him. And the, the Scripture, it teaches us. It teaches us the promises made available. And there's three, three things, just quickly, we, we can see that there's peace from God. Every single one of us can have peace from God. In Romans 1, 7, the Bible says this, to all that is to be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So we can have peace from God. We also can have peace with God, the Bible says in Romans 5, 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And not only can we have the peace from God this Christmas season, we can have the peace with God, we can also have peace of God. The Bible says in Philippians 4, 7, and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I think that's a wonderful verse to keep us straight this year. The peace of God which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Christ, his coming, it was foretold by our sovereign God. In Luke 1, we see that Mary, Mary received a special visit from Gabriel. Gabriel was the same angel that came to Daniel in the Old Testament some 550 or so years before, and he prophesied to Daniel that, that Jesus Christ was going to come. I don't have the time this morning to really develop this, but in Daniel chapter 9, from verse 27 through verse uh, 24 through 27, you could find that Gabriel had a conversation with Daniel, and you know what his conversation was? Exactly what happened in Luke chapter number one. See, this was God's plan. 
Jesus' coming was not some, some made-up story. It wasn't, wasn't that, that uh, uh, they were trying to create some new religion and so they found this baby Jesus and, and began something new, uh, some new religion centered around him. He was prophesied all the way back in the Old Testament. He was coming. Gabriel, the same one that said to Daniel that a Messiah is going to come, is the same angel that came to Mary and said, guess what? The Messiah is coming. We find that God brought his son into this world at the exact moment in the exact way that he promised that he would be. Isn't God good? There's a plan. There's an order. And God brought his son exactly the way he said he was going to bring his son. Galatians verse four, uh, uh, chapter 4, verse 4 says this, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law. Now, this is just veering a little bit from our message this morning. But if God in the Old Testament said this, that he was going to send his son, and in the New Testament we find he sent his son, the exact time he said he'd send his son, the exact way he sent his son, the Bible also says this, that Jesus Christ is coming again. If God could be trusted the first time, Time, guess what? He can be trusted the second time as well. And he said that his son's coming back for those that trust in him, for those that have put their faith and trust in the finished work of the cross. And if he, oh, if he, if he did what he said the first time, we can trust he's coming again. And that ought to, in this Christmas season, give us something to worship him for. His word is true. The announcement of Jesus' coming was intended to bring peace to troubled hearts. Daniel was living in a palace that was not his homeland. Israel was taken captive. Israel was in judgment. You know, all the way back, even uh, before that, we find when mankind sinned, what did God do? God promised them a Savior. When man was troubled in their heart, God promised them a Savior. When Daniel was in captivity, God promised him a Savior. When Mary was, was in a land that was occupied by Roman soldiers, God promised them a Savior. You know, God's promise came to bring peace to troubled hearts. And the same promise today brings peace to troubled hearts. Not that Jesus is coming uh, as a baby, but that Jesus has already come. And that because Jesus has come, because Jesus has died, because he shed his blood, and because he rose again, he can give you hope. He gives hope to the troubled hearts. This Christmas season is a great opportunity to, to bring hope to those that are troubled, to bring hope to those that are looking in, uh, and, and feeling despair. Both in those days, still today, we can use the story of Jesus to help bring hope and peace to troubled hearts. You know, when we understand the miraculous message that Jesus came to earth to be our Savior, when we understand that miraculous message that he came to this earth to be the prince of peace, when we truly understand that church, we can truly worship him. We worship him because he brought peace to troubled hearts. I want you to think back the day that you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. Now, everyone has a, a different testimony. 
But that day that you trusted Christ as your Savior, what did he do? He brought peace to a troubled heart. You were under conviction because you heard the story that if you did not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, that you would be separated from God for all of eternity. You'd, you heard the, the message that Jesus came and he died. You heard that you were a sinner and your heart was troubled because you knew this. I can't pay my sin debt. I'm going to be separated from God for all of eternity unless there is an answer. And then you heard that answer and your troubled heart, peace came when you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. We need to worship the Lord today. We need to realize this, in true worship comes from those that understand who Jesus is. I want to give you this morning, if I have the time, I want to give you a few things here this morning. The Bible, in verse number 26 through 28 of this chapter, let's look there again. The Bible says, and in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. I want you to see, first of all, this morning, the message of peace. Notice that Gabriel was sent to a specific time in the sixth month. He was sent to a specific place, a city of Galilee named Nazareth. He was sent to a specific person. This was a, a virgin espoused to, to, to a man whose name was Joseph. And just as the mention of Gabriel's name wasn't random, neither was any other detail of this announcement. Gabriel, the specific angel, went to a specific place, to a specific person, to give a message of peace. You know, it was given in a humble place. If you were to study the, the city of Nazareth, you'd find this. It wasn't a, a very populous place. It wasn't a, a prestigious place. Trade routes didn't go through this. It wasn't a hustling, bustle place. It was nothing like Jerusalem. You know, if we were going to send the Savior, the Messiah, to this world, would we send him to a, a Nazareth, a, a small, poor Jewish village? Or would we send him to a, where the kings were? We find this, that the message of peace came to a humble place. A message of peace came to the, to the lowly. A, a message of peace came to what was considered uh, insignificant. You know, and that message of peace, it still comes to those. Maybe you feel like you're not good enough. Maybe you feel like your life doesn't matter. Maybe you feel like you're not significant. Maybe you look around and you think the whole world is out there and you're just such a small piece of it and you're not considered and no one really cares. I want to submit this morning to you that God does care and he brings that message of peace to your life as well every life matters to God every single life he's given it in a humble place Nazareth it reminds us that God is not looking for the accomplishments of man he's looking for people with a heart for him it's a message of peace to a humble place. In 1 Corinthians 1, 26-29, the Bible says this, For ye shall see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. 
But God hath chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of this world to confound the things which are mighty. And the base things of this world and the things which are despised hath God chosen. And things which are not to bring to naught things that are that no flesh should glory in His presence. In Nazareth, God found a woman that was completely yielded to His purpose. There was a Sunday school teacher that asked uh, her, her class, who do you think was the most important woman in the Bible? And the little kids thought about it, and a little boy named Eric, he, he piped up and he said, Eve. The Sunday school teacher, it was around Christmas time, he thought, she thought maybe the class would say Mary, but the little boy said Eve. And so she said to the little boy, why do you think Eve is the most, most important woman in the Bible? They said they've named two holidays after her. <laughs> and she looked at him, he said, Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve. So Eve must be the most important woman in the Bible. <laughs> you know, Mary, Mary isn't necessarily the most important woman maybe in the Bible. But she, she was one of holiness. She was one of purity. She lived her life in such a way where God could use her. She was a humble one. And when God is going to look to use someone, He's not looking for someone that wants the glory for themselves. He's not looking for the, maybe the richest and the mightiest and the most well-known. God's looking for the one that would yield their life. God's looking for the humble. God's looking for the one that would say this, my life matters only if it's lived to accomplish your will. And Mary... Mary was that type. She was a humble person. So we find the message of peace was given in a humble place. We also find it was given to a holy woman. Mary was morally pure. We, we find, we find uh, uh, Gabriel, he emphasized this to Mary. In Luke 1, verse number 34, then said Mary unto the angel, how shall this be, seeing I know not a man? In Matthew 1, verse 18, the Bible says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise when, as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. In Isaiah verse 7, chapter 7, verse 14, the Bible says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And you say this, I, I thought we went over all that last, year, uh, last week. I thought we talked about that last week. It's, it's Bible prophecy. It's fulfilled. We find that because she was a virgin, because the Holy Sp- uh, Spirit came upon her, that Jesus Christ, he is God. This is such a, such a remarkable doctrine. And this is such an important doctrine. I think it's worth us to study that every week of the Christmas season. For numerous reasons. One is because it shows that Mary, it shows that Jesus was God. Because what was prophesied about her, it, was, it, was, it happened. What Gabriel said was going to happen, it happened. What the Bible said in the Old Testament was going to happen, it happened. It didn't just happen to a, a, a good person. It didn't just happen to a young lady. It happened to a morally pure person. And I believe this, the society that we're living in today, if anything, we need to preach even more about being morally pure. 
I found this to be true, a, an alarming thing. We had a parenting conference this past week and some questions were asked just about purity and, and trying to, to help our children as we're raising children. And I, I did some research and I found this, that majority, uh, a third, a third of all children, they are sexually active at the age of 11 today in this world. A third. 11. Matter of fact, it, you're made fun of, you're, you're, you're talked about, you're put down if you stay pure until you're married. There's something wrong society makes you believe. But the Bible says this, it's right. Maybe you're here today and you are, are single and, 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 and you're waiting for that one that God has for you. The best thing you can do is stay pure. The best thing you can do, don't cave to pressure. Don't cave to, to the world around us. Don't cave to the, the, the morally bankrupt society that we have. Obey the word of God. Stay pure. Stay right. That is God's plan for you until you find the one that God has for you to marry. Luke chapter I'm sorry, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, the Bible says this, but refuse profane and old wives' fables and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. You know, Mary was not uniquely financially uh, secure. She wasn't socially on, the, on the, uh, uh, the high of the social end of her society. But she was a ready vessel willing to bring her God glory. I think that's a remarkable trait about her. Secondly, we find this, the reason for worship. The reason for worship. Uh, the Bible says this in, in, in uh, Luke 1, verse number 31, the Bible says, And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. There is a reason to worship. This isn't because we are choosing this religion. And so therefore, because this is our choice, we have a reason. This, this, is, this is true. This is right. What we find Mary, what we find Mary uh, uh, doing here in Luke chapter one was prophesied. This is truth. And therefore we have a reason to worship. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. The greatest news that was ever given in all the world up to this place was that news right there. Jesus Christ was going to be born. The Savior, mankind was fallen. Mankind could not save themselves. Mankind is born. Every single human being was born into the bondage of sin. But there's going to be a solution. There's going to be an answer. And that answer we find in Luke chapter number 1, Mary had a reason to worship because Jesus Christ is going to be born. And we have a reason to worship today because Jesus Christ has been born. We're not anticipating the birth of another savior we don't need another messiah we don't need another jesus he has been born into this world he has gone to the cross he has shed his blood we have a reason to rejoice because jesus christ is born there's a reason it's a reason to worship 
the greatest news the world has ever heard is right here in Luke chapter number one. You know, often when God is working in our lives, we don't always understand. Sometimes it can be troubling. Sometimes we face what Mary even said here is, how can this be? How is this possible? I've never known a man. How can what you say is, is going to happen? I, I want to say this. It's possible. It's possible because of Christ's presence in our life. You know, the angel told Mary the baby's name was going to be Jesus. You know what that means? It means this. He will save. He does the impossible. When there's things in our life that we don't understand, there's a reason to worship because he does the impossible. I was this weekend at a, at a funeral service, and, and I heard a song at the end of that funeral service, and, and I think I may have heard the song before, but I had forgotten I heard it. And I was sitting there with my wife and my children in front of me. My in-laws were sitting there, and next to one of my children, my mom was sitting there, and we're all at this funeral, and, and, and I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking about my death of my father, and my wife's sitting there, and she's thinking about the death of her brother, and, and my mom's sitting next to her, and she's thinking about the death of her husband, and directly in front of me, my, my in-laws are sitting there and, and, and they're thinking about the death of their son and, and people were sad, you know, and sometimes going to funerals, it makes you think about your loss. And the entire time through, through things that were said and through, through the funeral service, I, I'm watching my in-laws and my mom and my wife kind of wipe away their tears. And at the end, at the end of that, that funeral, someone got up and, and, and sang this song about resurrection ground. And they said, you come to a grave, but I don't call it a grave. I call it resurrection ground. And boy, I thought as I sat there, I, the tears started turning into a smile and started turning into an amen and, and started turning into rejoicing. And that funeral turned from a, a very sad and sober time to where people were excited because, yes, we're getting ready to put someone we love into the ground, but that ground can't hold that person. That ground is not a grave. That ground is resurrection ground. You've got to, something to worship. You've got peace in your life, even going through trials and even going through hurt because of the presence of Jesus Christ because of the presence of Jesus Christ in your life and in the life of those that you love that ground can't hold them death can't hold them there's going to be a time where that trump's going to sound and all those that are dead are going to rise and they're going to meet us in the clouds we have something to worship because of the presence of Jesus Christ boy isn't that good resurrection ground we have something to read a reason to worship because of the presence of Jesus Christ, his name, his name is esteemed. Jesus' name and his work are known throughout the entire world. The name of Jesus is esteemed. Philippians 2, 9 through 11 says, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Listen to me, the name of Jesus, it is an esteemed name. The name of Jesus, it's an enduring name. From Genesis chapter number 1 to Revelation chapter number 22, Scripture declares the name of Jesus which has existed in eternity past and it's going to exist exist in all of eternity it's an enduring name we have a reason to rejoice because of the name of Jesus in Revelation twenty two thirteen. the Bible says I am the Alpha and Omega the beginning and the end the first and the last 
His name is an inclusive name. The name of Jesus is wonderful. The name of Jesus is more special than any other name because it's only through Jesus that we find salvation. There's no salvation found in any other name except the name of Jesus. We have something to worship this morning. Acts chapter 4, verse number 12, the Bible says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Boy, I'm just getting preaching this morning. We have a reason to worship. We have a reason to worship. We're going to come right now to this table and there's juice that represents the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed so that your payment could have a payment for your sin. We have something to rejoice this morning. We have something to worship. There's a reason to worship. This bread represents the body of Jesus that was broken so that you could be redeemed back to God. I'm just simply saying to you this morning, this Christmas season, we have something and a reason to worship. Would you prepare your hearts this morning? How is your worship? Are you so stressed? Are you so fearful? Are you living a life of material things or this Christmas season? Are you ready to worship?